0: Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust. Member FDIC. All
1: right, 1145. And again, sad news. We got uh, today that Ray Rogers had passed away. I knew he'd been dealing with some health problems for a significant amount of time. And uh, he is an Arkansas treasure, icon, Hall of Famer. you can say a lot of great things about him. And I've never heard anybody say anything bad about him. All he's done is good work in the community and With youngsters and um, obviously with professional boxers over the years as well, traveled all over the world as a uh, cut man and trainer. So, Pat Burns, who worked for a long time with Ray alongside Jermaine Taylor and others, is joining us now on the Brandon Moving and Storage Hotline. Talk a little bit about Ray and obviously, Pat, you were sad to hear the news. We all were about Ray. I knew he'd not been in great health for a while now, but. You know, certainly his legacy is going to live on in a lot of ways. It's a cliche, but I think for him and Wes it. I mean, there's no telling how many guys and and lives that he touched over the years uh, in a positive way and, and, you know, got kids that were at risk or even those who weren't into a better situation.
0: Yeah, uh, boy, I wouldn't even know where to begin with, Ray. The impact that Ray had on my life. Excuse me a second, Doug. so. Anyways, um, I met Ray in the early '80s, and uh, I had just come out of uh, the Miami riots back in 1980. Uh, you know, Vietnam and that, and it was a uh, kind of a tough time. So, anyways. I started, a, the chief asked me if he's something about these inner city kids. So I told him, yeah, I'll do a baseball program. I have a baseball background, a boxing background and a wrestling background. He goes, no, I want you to do the kids standing on the corner, the streets. I said, okay. So I started this little boxing program in Miami and uh, I'm, I, I guess I trained them a lot like a Marine, you know, real tough. And we had some kids, they would win and we'd have, we would advance and Moved to a regional tournament that perhaps was in Atlanta. And uh, I'd have to go ask all the police officers for money. We didn't have any money. And then I I used to, I'm I'm glad I'm retired. I would take a van from the police department. And you're not supposed to take it out of Dade County or by (laughs) everybody. I'd fill the the van with kids. And we'd go up to Georgia. And maybe we won. And there's 12 weight classes. And maybe I had eight guys that won the districts. And then I have three that win the, or four that win the, the regionals, and then I got to get to Colorado Springs or wherever Ray was putting on, uh, you know, the uh, silver gloves. And and uh, I'd go back and hit up the police officers again for money, and some of the guys would see me coming and run. But we get enough money, and that's when I first met Ray, and Ray was in charge of the silver gloves. It was an amazing program. And uh, we hit it off right away. He said, man, you're kind of tough on those kids, aren't you? And I go, well, we're winning, aren't we? He goes, that's right, and they understand toughness.
1: And he understood
0: toughness, but he also had the ability to be tough. But yet, he was a kind-hearted, and he always had uh, the best interest uh, in the kids. Yes, he he taught them how to fight and all that, but he wanted them to do more. And he would tell me about some of the guys he worked with over the years. You know, he helped them get their education, and hell, we must have spoke to two o'clock in the morning. And he was hungry after one of the Golden Gloves night. I mean, the Silver Gloves night night, and uh, we went to eat. And then he started telling me some of the things he did. So when I got back, I wanted to emulate Ray, and I started a GED program. And um, it was because of Ray. And then over the years, I had thirty-five kids get their get their uh, their GED. And then because I Ray was, uh, I'm seventy-two. I guess Ray was eighty-two. Seemed like a or eighty, I would say. And uh, he was like a father figure to me. So I I emulated a lot of things that he that uh, he did. And uh, it really helped my program, and it became a national program. And a lot of it started just with uh, with Ray.
1: When did you guys transition to, to working with professionals in Jermaine specifically?
0: Um, well, because we both cheated once. <laughs> <laughs> we were we, we were we had we had a kid that was in the Olympic trials. In those days, it was you know you had like eight kids to make it to the Olympic trials. And one of our guys was on the edge of making it. It was a he had to do a uh, one more fight. Well, in this fight before, he got a cut. And I'm going, oh, man, in the amateurs, you're not supposed to continue boxing if you get a cut. And uh, so Ray says, oh, let me help you out here. Let's see what we can do. And anyways, Ray goes to work on this kid. And he was from uh, Georgia, and that was our regional team. And a-, a cut that needed stitches, by the time he finished it, it- he looked like a movie star. How uh, he got through, he won that fight, not the, the cut never opened up or anything like that. and uh, he went on and then somewhere in the semifinals of the of the Olympic box off, he, he ended up losing and not being able to make the Olympic team, but I never forget you know what ray uh, how Ray handled that. so when i when I trans uh, did my transformation, you know from the amateurs into uh, the professionals, i I never forgot that, and Ray was the first guy. That, uh, that I called and that's how we started uh, our relationship and we had so many good times and funny times and if you have time I'm going to tell you a couple of them but yeah he was the guy was amazing and uh, what was his one of us he always had a hundred lines and I try to remember mm-hmm. them but I couldn't remember them all but the one thing that he said one time he goes I hope your listeners don't get uh, upset but he says I just stopped a menstruating monkey from bleeding you <laughs> know <laughs> he was all his one 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 liners were, were great, but he was a great cut man. He was a great role model, and what he did for these for these kids inspired me to, to uh, do it in my in uh, Miami. And um, I, no matter how much I worked or how hard I could, I couldn't. Ne- I could never be uh, a Ray Rogers or or do what he did uh, for for the for the kids uh, of Arkansas.
1: He told me that, yeah, he had something in his bag that could hold two drops of water together. Do you have any idea? He would never tell me what was in his bag. Do you have any idea what he carried with him? Any clue what was in there?
0: Well, getting into the professionals, I knew there would come a day when when I would be in a a jam and I'm going to have to work the corner plus be a cut man. And uh, I'd say, Ray, you need to teach me. He would teach me everything about cuts, but he never would teach me whatever it was he put together. Now, I had some of it because he gave me some extra and I needed it one time and it worked. And um, it's one of those things that the old timers would just never give up that secret. And you know, they used to say, "Well, figure it out, work the corners, you'll figure it out." And uh, honestly, I never could figure it out because there was just nobody like Ray in the corner um, with, when it came to his cuts. But he was more than that. He um, when when we were fighting, uh, when Jermaine Taylor was by the way, I hope we can get the words to Jermaine. Uh, we're reaching out for it. I spoke to Andrew Meadows. I think they're in, in Dennis Moore. We're trying to get the word to uh, uh, Jermaine. And, but anyways, uh, he used to help me in the corners. And, you know, we trained really hard, and, and we worked really hard. And around uh, probably twice during the match, maybe around the fourth or fifth round. And if we were going, if, if the fight was continuing in the eighth round, somewhere around here, I would say to Ray, uh, you know, always I would say to Ray, you seeing anything? Can you see anything? Do we need to make any adjustments? And occasionally, he would say, you might want him to do this, maybe move a little bit more to the left. He's standing a little too tight uh, to the right side, which would put him in the ropes or something like that. And, then, and I would pick up on what he was said, and then I would relay that information to Jermaine. But when we were fighting Bernard Hopkins, I think it was around the fourth or fifth round, and, I, and we're sitting there, and, you know, as calm as can be, and I looked over at Ray. Because he had so much experience, to go, Ray, you see anything? Do we need to make any adjustments? I go, I, I don't see anything. He goes, he goes, listen, man, you can see a flea on a dog's ass at five hundred yards. Whatever you're seeing is working. Don't change anything. <laughs> and that was in that was in the, that was in the middle of the uh, of the world well, championship fight that we all know Tremaine went on and
1: and won. We've talked about the the corner situation with the cut on his head a million times. G- give me, oh, yeah. g- give me your your most. Uh, I guess what stands out the most about that that experience and the exchange with Ray during that because it did not look good at the time, and I know he was probably trying to shoo the doctor away so he could uh, continue with with Jermaine.
0: Actually, what he told me to do, he goes block. And I go <laughs> what? He goes block. Stand between me and the doctor because we were afraid the doctor was going to stop the fight. So i get up that ring as fast as I possibly could because I knew which way the doctor was coming in, and I'd stick my ass right up into the ropes. Gave no room for that doctor to get in. He tried to lean over me, but I was just giving Ray time to work. And I don't know what kind of voodoo uh, Ray did on his head. but For, for a cut that was needed, well, I think we ended up needing 14, 15, 16 stitches down the road, mm-hmm. um, he stopped the bleeding. And uh, afterwards, I asked him, I go, Ray, what the hell did you do? How did you get that thing to stop? Because of you know, there's so many uh, veins and 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 so on where you bleed so much. He goes, you know that stuff I told you I wasn't going to teach you about. I go, yeah. He goes, I used it. I go, what did you do? He goes, can't tell you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Never changed.
0: So, and then and then one other thing happened. Uh, Ray, we were, we had a fight going on in Miami. Ray came to Miami, and um, you know, you've met My wife we sat before. We're uh, we're in Miami, and I, and she's Latin. And you know they got a hundred thousand Latin's down here. Got a hundred thousand cousins, nephews, and some of them even claimed to be. And I don't I don't think they were. But anyways, I must have had thirty people in my house in Raycom with that southern accent. <laughs> and he goes, "How the hell do you remember their, their names?" And I go, "I don't know. I got to figure out something." He goes, "Well, what do the What do you call the, the, the girls?" Well, they're uh, men are Julios and, and the women are Julio. We always had a name. And he goes, okay. Ray called every woman in my house, which had to be twenty of them, Julia, and every guy Julio. <laughs> Everybody after that became for me became Julio and and Julia. Oh, and my goodness. wife says, "What are you doing?" I go, "I can't remember all these names. They all end with Anita, Lolita, Manita, Benita." So, from from the, the point that Ray made that up, that became uh, Julio or or Julia. Well, my wife and her and my wife's sister said, "Hey." we're short of bread. Can you guys go get some bread? So I said, okay. Well, when I was a, a young sergeant and we were out working, we, we were working a major case one time and uh, it was now about five o'clock in the morning. We were all done. We caught this bad guy that we had put in a, a number of days on. And, and uh, all the guys, since I was the sergeant, they took me to a strip bar about a half a mile, a mile from my house. And when it, we went into this strip bar, it was five o'clock in the morning. And of course, you know, I'm the sergeant, and I'm gonna. Why are we can't be here. We gotta get out of. We gotta get out of here. And so, anyway, everybody drank a beer. We celebrated. We go out to get these two loaves of bread, and I figure oh, I want to pull one on on Ray. We pull up, and I'm, as we pull into the to this strip bar, I'm fast. I'm starting to fast talk Ray. I'm not letting him get a sound in. And he goes, What are you doing? do? I said, oh, let's just grab a, a beer, Ray. He goes, Okay, sounds good. We walk in. We walk into this uh, bar. He, unbeknownst to him, we sit down at the at the bar, and I, I hand Ray a dollar. I go, here, Ray, here's a dollar. He goes, what's that for? I go, you'll see. You're going to need it. About that time, here's this girl standing on the bar looking down at Ray. Ray's looking up.
1: Oh,
0: boy. He, he, he didn't know what to do, and he came out with about 10 of those one-liners. I go, well, stick that dollar in there, which he did. And, uh, of course, he laughed so hard that he cried. And then we <laughs> went home to all the Julios and the Julios and uh, never stopped laughing. And my wife said, what the hell took you guys so long? And I said, well, Ray wanted a bear, so we just stopped and grabbed the bear real
1: quick. Give <laughs> her the short version. Uh, we only got about a minute left here, Pat. Give me kind of your, your perspective. I'd love to talk all day about, about Ray. Yeah, and, I know. But um, just, I mean, it, the lasting legacy, again, I think mean, people in the community around here and across Arkansas know, but, I mean, from your perspective, somebody who worked closely with him, I guess what are going to be the things that you remember the most about him?
0: I remember that he, he – um, he never judged anyone. A lot of the kids he worked with were, were thugs, and uh, everybody gave up on him. They had been arrested. They're 14 years old, 13 years old. And he always had this spot in his heart that he felt like he could turn a kid around. And he would go in there, and he would do it with tough love. And um, and he did it. And I was with him for so many years that I would meet these guys now at 27 or 28 years old that were 12 years old and when they were fighting in the silver gloves. And Ray saved their lives. Never asked for a dime, never asked for anything. And uh, a great leader. He was a military guy. Just had great leadership skills and had a profound effect and a long-lasting effect on uh, everyone he encountered, uh, particularly particularly me. Today, when I got the phone call that he had passed away, I was uh, in uh, at the D.A., uh, and uh, appropriately, you know him being a veteran, and he used to talk to me about the VA and that I needed to go. Um, it was just one of those guys who was caring and loving.
1: Well, we need a lot more Ray Rogers in this world. I know that, and we need a lot more uh, Pat Burns in this world too. But I appreciate the time, my friend. I hope we get a chance to catch up in person at some point soon. And thanks for calling in and sharing your thoughts.
0: Sounds good. I don't think I could ever be a Ray Rogers, but I sure would try. Well, you're doing. Thanks, thanks for taking the time for to talk about this uh this great man. Alex going to miss him.
1: No doubt. Pat, thank you buddy. I appreciate you. Take care. All right, take care.